welcome once again to a novel evening. As ever, I'm Danny. You can find me on Instagram as Blotted Ink Books or over on TikTok as a novel evening podcast. And this week I am joined by Ellen Hawley to talk all about her new novel, A Decent World. Um, if you want a book that's going to tug at your heartstrings, it's going to make you question life and relationships and the paths that we take. This is such an interesting book. I cannot recommend it enough. Um, I really enjoyed it. Very different for me from my usual reads, something I wouldn't ordinarily pick up, but I'm so, so glad I did. I have so many questions for Ellen about the characters, about where the story came from, and I cannot wait to dive into her novel evening. So a massive hello to Ellen. Hello. Hi, glad to meet you. Oh, Angie, thank you so much for, uh, for coming to join me today. It's good to be here. Oh, I'm super excited to chat all about the book. And um, we're obviously neighbours down in the southwest. You're down in, in beautiful Cornwall, in one of my favourite parts of Cornwall, actually. I've been to a lot. But uh, I've actually got the sunshine. It's actually a really nice day here, but I know you've got it a little greyer than me. <laughs> we do, we do. It's promising rain and then it isn't delivering. Oh, do you know, when you're in that part of the world, the rain is still beautiful. Well, it can get to be too much. My God, it's dry. It's been, it's really scary dry. Yeah, we have not. I don't think we've had this hot a June at, for a long time. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot. And originally you're from America. You've moved over to, to Cornwall. Where were you from previously? I was born and grew up in New York City. Oh, and very then, different. <laughs> very, very. And then for 40 years, I lived in Minnesota, which is where the book is set. Oh, and wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And you've worked, before you were a writer, I was having a little nose on some of the things. You've had a lot of strings to your bow. You've done a lot of different <laughs> jobs, right? <laughs> I did. I did. The, probably the most interesting is driving cab. Oh. Um, I, I drove cab in Minneapolis for five years. I worked as an editor. I've worked as a proofreader and a copy editor. Uh, I've worked in a candy factory. I've worked in a, I've worked assembling, um, t-shirts as a matter of fact um, and I was a janitor for about a month and I lasted as a receptionist for four hours <laughs> as I have worked as a receptionist many times I don't blame you <laughs> <laughs> I actually respect that highly <laughs> oh god it was awful <laughs> but as a writer I mean firstly driving a cab you must have heard some crazy stories a lot of those poured into my first book yeah. Um, sheets. Yeah. Just, yeah. You must have so much to draw on, having all those different jobs and experiences. It must be so useful as a writer. It is. It is. To be it wasn't, to that wasn't the plan, but it is. it has been useful. I think that's so interesting. Also, I think for people who are listening who want to write and maybe that's not their career right now, I love the fact it shows, you know, you can do a myriad jobs and still be writing. The point is to go out and live and that's that's what you draw on. I love that. That's that's my quote for this episode. I love that. That's all we've got to do. You've got to live and then you've got and then you've got something to write about, right? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Absolutely. And obviously, you've obviously got your new book, A Decent World. So for anyone listening who isn't familiar with the book, give us a little rundown of what this story is about. The central character in A Decent World is named Summer, who was raised by her grandmother, uh, having been pretty much abandoned by her mother. Um, her grandmother's just died and her grandmother was a lifelong communist and Summer is wrestling and she was very, very close to her grandmother. 
she's wrestling with the both the emotional and the political legacy of her family and that's what it's about yeah where did this story come from for you where did this idea start this book frankly writing it scared the shit out of me um i hope you don't mind swearing i was a a cab driver i swear fluently (laughs) except Um, i'm british i swear all the time (laughs) good good We're, we're both happy then um my parents were communists and I was brought up in the 1950s in the midst of the Red Scare. And um, writing about that has been very, very difficult because the what I learned very early is you don't talk about this. You can't, it's too dangerous. And um, that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what was it that finally prompted you to think, I'm gonna write this story. I'm gonna put this story into, into words frankly, it was pretty clear to me that if I didn't write this, I would never write anything else. It was just there blocking the pipe. And I was absolutely sure it would never be publishable, but I just had to do it anyway. Wow. So, I, that's, that's really intriguing to me. You know, even though you knew, you know, there's a chance this won't get out there, I have to get this on paper. It, yeah. If you, sometimes you just have to, you know, if that's what's given to you, that's what you have to do if you're ever going to do anything afterwards. It just, you know, it's in the way. And did you draw on a lot of your own life experience for this book? Was there a lot of yourself in it or not so much? Uh, yes and no. Emotionally, I put a lot of my emotion into it. Um, my mother had, had just, my mother had just died. She died about 20 years ago. Yeah. And I started this a long time ago and couldn't finish it. It's been a very slow book to write. Um, So emotionally, I put a lot of my feelings for my mother into the grandmother. Um, But in terms of story, no, this isn't my story at all. No, it's, yeah, I can see, I mean, you've got your emotions are in there, but this is a a completely different story. And how does it feel? You know, you said that you started writing this a long time ago. How does it feel now to finally have it in your hands? Like it's about to go out into the world. How does that feel? Oh God, it's wonderful. (laughs) It really is. I mean, this one, this one's very close to my heart and both because of my background and because, you know, because of the, the feelings that I poured into it about my mother's loss. Um, so yeah, it's, it's wonderful to have it out there. Yeah. And it's a beautiful story I have to say. And I, I lost my grandfather last year who I was very, very close to in a very similar way to summer. Um, my grandfather was a very formative person in my life and I definitely felt the grief that I was reading felt very familiar to me as I was reading it. And it's a beautiful yeah. story as well of their relationship, you know, and I think, like you said, it does wrestle with themes that are, that are difficult. Were you ever kind of nervous about writing about some of the things in the book? Was there anything you thought, oh my goodness, I don't know if I can include this, or was there anything that you struggled with? Um, well, <laughs> once I got past the, the communism business, <laughs> no, I could write anything. <laughs> Yeah. I'm curious though, what, what struck you as something that might've been difficult to write about? I mean, it was mostly kind of the communism aspects, as you say, that's mm-hmm. something that isn't, isn't really written about. I think also kind of the difficult relationships with family as well. Cause I think that's mm-hmm. again, something that isn't always talked about. Families are, can be, you know, divided. You can have very difficult relationships with family members, but when it's also tying as you say, with like a political legacy, Mm-hmm. That which makes it more difficult I think that's an aspect of life that's so unusual maybe and certainly not anything I've really read about before yeah 
well, mercifully, this family isn't my family. So I was fine writing about their problems. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. You can just go wild as well. When you're writing about a family that you've created, right, you can kind of go to the extremes and you can kind of yeah. do what you like with them, right? Yeah. I love that. Oh. <laughs> so, I don't oh okay sorry no you're fine again i'm very good at chopping things out we can <laughs> in the editing room <laughs> this is not the oddest thing that's and usually it's my children that interrupt the recording <laughs> process as well so mostly they can't do that but i've had to chop out my children asking me for snacks or <laughs> that was my partner just coming in to see why the calendar anyway <laughs> There we go. <laughs> we can chop out the partner, don't worry. So for you as well, when you were kind of writing this book, did you kind of anticipate what the reaction would be? Because you are writing about communism and it is a subject that is, is very divisive. A lot of people have a lot of thoughts and feelings and opinions. Did that ever strike you as something that you were wary of or were you kind of intrigued to see what people's reactions would be? Well, that was why I thought it would never be publishable mm. because at the time I was living in the US and frankly, we are, um, we're insane on the subject. I mean, you know, you tell people that somebody's a communist, they're expecting horns and a tail. Mm. Um, and in the UK, it may be divisive, but it's um, not in the same way. You, you guys are not as crazy. You didn't go yes. through a period where, you know, you had, I mean, quite literally the FBI, you know, following people, tapping phones, showing up at, door, at the door. Um, and, you know, the joke was that there was a red under every bed. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we um, and we have the legacy of that still. I mean, even saying when someone says they're a socialist, people kill. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and here, the, the, the word doesn't scare people in the same way. You're, you're able to have a sane conversation. That's really interesting. So in terms of how this is going to be perceived in the kind of US to UK, I imagine there's going to be a very different kind of viewing of a different take on it, depending on your audience. I would expect so. We'll yeah. see. That's interesting, because I think that's the intriguing part. I do think here in the UK, I think in terms of politics, I mean, personally, for me, communism is not something that was ever kind of, when I was younger, I was not really aware of, it wasn't really discussed, it's not really a topic that is mentioned. I know in America, a lot of my American friends, it's kind of a hot subject, mm -hmm. it's something people are always talking about, and I do wonder if kind of, for me, when I was doing that, actually the communism part was kind of almost the lesser part of this for me. I was more intrigued by the relationships of this family mm -hmm. than the political sense. Yeah, that's yeah. what I wanted to read. I was less kind of intrigued by the politics and more the, well, how does this family work now? Mm -hmm. as well because also Josie is such a big character in this and mm -hmm. you know such a big presence even though she's passed away right mm -hmm. which I think is interesting and kind of when you lose the the matriarch of a family the kind of the head person who's got all of this under their belt I mean when you were writing as well because it was obviously I don't want to give away any spoilers there's a little bit of Josie's voice in it as well did you ever kind of think about writing Josie's story as opposed to Summer's story I did at one point try to fill in some of the background mm. uh, for Josie and it didn't work. I'm yeah. not sure why, but it, I, it just didn't work. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. So just writing from like her perspective just wasn't going to, wasn't going to flow for you. Not in, only in small pieces. Yeah. Where, you know, there are two small pieces from Josie's point of view where I could, um, 
where I could enter that that part of her life very easily. But I tried to go back and work out, you know, some of her her interactions with her family, and they were <laughs> they were terrible. It was just right. just wasn't going to work. Just wasn't it's happening. Just formulaic and awful. <laughs> But I love your honesty as well. I love the fact you're like, nope, it was shit. It wasn't going to work. Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. And you've got to be brutal sometimes when you're writing. Oh, yeah. You kill your darlings a bit to make a book better. Well, that wasn't one of my darlings. So oh, it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> that needed to go. And how yeah. did this differ from writing your previous novels? Because obviously you said this was a, a tough process. Did mm -hmm. you find your other novels came just came more naturally? It came easier? What was the difference with this compared to what you've written previously? No two of them have been have come the same way. Uh, I have one, The Divorce Diet, that practically wrote itself. Uh, I, it, I wrote it for a friend whose marriage was going down in flames and I wanted to make her laugh. And she read the first chapter, first few pages actually and laughed, so I kept going. And that just wrote itself. It was yeah. great fun and I read it to her as it came. As it came. Um, others have been much slower. Yeah. So no two books are the same for me. And in terms of, you know, advice you give someone who is working on something that's kind of a slow process, perhaps they're getting frustrated. What's your kind of key to being able to stick with a book that's taken, you know, you said this, you started this a long time ago mm -hmm. and there's always probably a part of you that thinks I might as well just give up. I've had enough now of this. I've done it for so long. What advice would you give to anyone who's writing to keep going? For me, if the book demands that I come back to it, I come back. I've walked away from that one any number of times and it, it wouldn't let go of me. So I, had to, I just kept coming back. Uh, I have started a few others that didn't go well and didn't call me back. And you just have to trust that. Yeah. If it has the energy for me, I go back, I reread and I can feel if the energy's there. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You always talk about your novels almost like they're people, like they are, they're cool. You know, I love that. Like, you know, they're calling you back. The book is kind of the one that's, you know, leading the charge here about whether or not you're going to write it. Well, they live in here, you know, and um, I, yeah. They, they you are... can tell when you're talking, you can see that. I think you can feel it in the pages of your books as well. You know, they are very emotional stories. And I think you can feel the connection when someone's writing something they're genuinely passionate about. You can feel the difference, right? When you read a book, and yeah. you're like, oh, this author really cares about what they've written here. You can feel the difference, can't you? Yeah, yeah, you can. <laughs> well, I, I could <laughs> with this book. And you know, the question is, what comes next for you as well? I'm sure, I don't know if you can say very much, but are you always writing? Do you always kind of have some a project on the go? Well, at the moment I've got, three projects which are not going frankly very well uh, <laughs> i've got a novel that i'm working with which i may which is it's not going forward very easily but it's acquiring more layers yeah. so i think right. that you know the characters are getting deeper i'm finding out more about them uh it may work yeah. that it's it this is going to be another slow one um I've got two nonfiction projects, one of which um, is a lot of fun, but it's it's English history. I write a lot. I have a blog, oh, cool. uh, which started out being about living as a, you know, as a as an American in in the UK. 
And it and it's ended up, I've written a lot about English history, which fascinates me because it's just so bizarre. Some of our history it, is very strange. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you guys, you guys are, you're one of a kind. Um, <laughs> and it's very, it's very funny. It's very wise ass and I have a lot of fun with it and I would love to get it published, but it's also very episodic. And my publisher looked at it and said, um, no, I like it, but no. So that I'm still looking for a way to make that work and it may someday. Uh, I have another book which is about moving to England and um, it's um, structurally, it's, it's got a, just a built-in problem and okay. I'm not sure what to do with it. So the novel is really my main focus. Oh, and can I, I'm interested, can I ask, what did bring you to move to England? I'm always intrigued. I mean, I've always lived here. Obviously, I'm born and bred British, and I'm always very curious why people come to England. My partner and I had been here a number of times as visitors and loved it, and started coming back to the same village and got to know people. And she had always wanted to spend a year here. And after my mother died, we could do that because, you know, we were free to yeah to go she was retired I was going to take one year off and then drop back in because I was freelancing and that would have been possible um about halfway through the year we sort of looked at each other and said let's stay uh at that point you know we could financially put, pull it off the immigration rules were kinder at that point we fit into a category that allowed us to allowed us to stay we wouldn't now at this point yeah. right now they've changed it you know it's all um it as she had published a book i'd published a, a book and had another one coming out and that put us in a in an artist and writers category which allowed us to stay they wouldn't have us now yeah oh that's so i love that idea though of you coming and visiting and getting to know people and just going Let, let's do this let's go yeah yeah it's, and do you how do you feel differently kind of when you're writing here in the UK do you feel different when you're I know sometimes I speak to kind of writers and they have places they love to write in and they just feel more creative do you feel like that where you are the transition for me was very difficult I used to write in uh, coffee shops yeah and I you know especially when a book was going was going badly I will do anything for you know a cup of tea and something sweet so <laughs> it worked well um I can't do that here it's not the same culture here is it we don't it's, it's not the same thing it's not and um so I really the transition was very difficult there was a period of time where I did write but everything I wrote was absolute crap and so uh having made the transition I love living here I really do especially as the United States goes insane um yep. which is <laughs> rapidly doing uh I feel like the bullet just whizzed past my ear but it's I I can't I haven't set up a, a book here I was going to say that you know you yeah, haven't set a book in I, the UK I would hesitate I think there are a lot of things I'd get wrong oh that's intriguing um and as I get further and further out of date with the U.S., that may become problematic. Yeah, I was going to say, you're walking a fine line there between, I mean, mm -hmm. but I yeah. love the sound of all three of, you know, I love the sound of this nonfiction that you're writing. It sounds an awful lot of fun. So hopefully we'll get to see that in some form, somehow. I hope so.
Oh, yeah, that God. sounds a lot of fun. And I'm always very intrigued to see, but I loved Bill Bryson. I used to love Bill Bryson's books about when he used to visit. And I love seeing England through the eyes of people who weren't, you know, weren't born and raised here, how mm-hmm. we viewed. And I always just think it's, I actually think it's very funny to see some of the quirks of what our life is like here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and In I'm a sure way we'll that, living it. <laughs> that an outsider can see it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's so interesting, especially I know we've got some very quirky things here in the UK. We have some things that we do that I know for Americans, I have American friends that do raise an eyebrow to some of the stuff we eat, some of the things we do over here. So I, I would love to read that. And look, we're going to we're going to dive in to your novel evening. Now, I have no idea what to expect. I feel like you're someone who might have a lot to draw on for this. OK, OK. So I'm intrigued. So firstly, the first question I always ask is where are we gonna go for your evening? Well, if you look at the cover of that book, I think we're gonna go into that house. I'd love, can I ask you to the cover art for this? The cover, the artist is a man named Brendan Farley, who I don't know, but a friend of mine was posting his his work on Facebook. Uh, I'm not sure why, she doesn't know him personally and she's blind so she hasn't seen his work but she kept posting it and I kept thinking my god I love that he he paints in my old neighborhood it's it's a neighborhood of Minneapolis called Longfellow neighborhood and he really has caught the feeling of of that neighborhood Oh, In fact, beautiful. there's a movie theater that my partner and I were trying to think, what was the name of that? And I was looking at Farley's uh, website and thought, he's got a painting of it. It's the Riverview. That's so cool. I love how that's all come together as well. You just happen to see the Facebook posts. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. And it's a beautiful, obviously, listeners can't see the cover. I would highly recommend going and look. It's a, it's a gorgeous painting. It really is. It is beautiful. And we're going to go into, and the house looks so warm and inviting as well with all the lights. And so we're gonna go into this house then. That's where we're going. Right. Oh, I love this. Okay. And I imagine we're having a cozy kind of dinner. We're sat inside. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. informal. Yeah, Just, okay. You know, put your feet up. Beautiful. Okay, so who's the first person or guest who's gonna arrive for this? Well, the, pe- the people I imagined having are part some of the characters from the book, um, Josie, Summer. Oh, you got to, yeah. And Saul. Oh. Josie's husband, who is yeah. who died long before the book opens and who is much less of a presence. Yes. Oh. How would that feel for you to be surrounded by these characters? Would you hope you'd done them justice? I hope I have. I hope I have. <laughs> I really, I mean, they really, um, they do live with me. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Oh, I love that. I do love when when authors come on and the people they're choosing are their own characters because for you, they're real. These are real oh, people. It, they are, and I, real in the sense that I want to get to know them better. And when I realized that what you what you would want to do is you know create a create an evening, a dinner, I thought you know there are a couple of people from my family that I want to invite. Oh, um, okay. Who would that be? Well, for one, my my parents. Yeah. Uh, the sort of the um they're the counterparts of Saul and Josie but not at all like not like them um and a my great aunt Bina oh um was a who I didn't know well I mean I knew her as a child yeah 
And, um, but Bina was born in Russia um, in the 19th century. Wow. Well, it was still, you know, before the Soviet Union. Uh, the, she's from my father's side of the family. Immigrated to New York, and Bina was a magnificent cook. And I remember a couple of times she invited the family over. It was a fairly, you know, she there were a fair number of people, and she'd spent a couple of days ahead of time cooking Eastern European Jewish food that I don't that I don't know how to make. I wish I did. And um, that I wasn't really familiar with, but boy, was it good. Woo! So, oh, so is she going to be cooking for this? She's got to be, surely. Oh, I, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to work with her in the, in the preparation. See what and, she's you know, doing. Yeah. I want, I want to learn from her. She's a master. Oh my goodness. What a story as well. I love that. I love, and how old was she when she emigrated? Uh, she would have been a grown woman. Um, I would say, I would say she was probably in her twenties. I'm guessing. Wow. Uh, she married after, um, actually, I don't know that Bina ever got married. She, <laughs> she met the handsome Yasha who had a, uh, a wife back in, in Russia. And it was the usual story. He came over and was going to make money and yeah. bring, her, bring her over as my grandfather did, you know, with his yeah. wife and four children at that point. And, but it had been, a, he, they'd gotten married because she got pregnant and he, you know, yeah. they were, it was not a happy marriage. And he, he met Bina and he did not bring her over. And so he and Bina, I think lived together without ever getting married. Oh, um, and quite a scandal for the time as well. You no, know, they were people of the left. It was less of a scandal. It was less of a thing, yeah. But oh. you know, you, you just said that, you know, you just said you were married and that was fine. It was, yeah. You know. Oh, that's a story right there as well, though. Like you just clicked yeah. on that story. That's incredible. So oh, the handsome Yasha, who I never met. The handsome Yasha. Oh, okay. I see Bina as well. I'm like, I see you. I see. <laughs> Okay, so your family have joined as well. How do you think your family and this, you know, your fictional family, how do you think they would interact with each other? I think <laughs> I think they would they would there would be a sense of familiarity. I think they would know each other essentially. You know, the you know the kind of people you sit down with and you feel like you've known them all your life. Yeah. Oh, this is already I'm getting like warm and fuzzy from this. Like I love this idea. And is there anyone else that you would invite? I oh, I could add a few more relatives, but let's let's stop there. Oh, I love it. This is a very cozy, very intimate. This is a family family affair. This is what this feels like to me. Yeah, very much so. Oh my goodness! And the question I always ask is: Is there anyone you wouldn't want to arrive to your evening? Well, again, from the book, the character David Freund. This is Josie's brother who she has kept away from her family for years. He, um, I won't, he betrayed her and I won't spoil the, spoil yeah. the story, but uh, she felt it very much a betrayal. And mm. as, as soon as she dies, he, he starts to work to get back into, into her family. Um, he is charming and regretful and manipulative as hell. Mm -hmm. and uh no we'll keep we'll, we'll keep him out of the 
that's just not what we need for this. This sounds like such a beautiful evening. We don't yeah. need the kind of the family dramas or the difficulties creeping in. This is just a safe space for a lovely evening. Yeah. yeah. But some really good food, it sounds like. That's the bit I'd be excited oh, for. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my goodness. Can you remember any of the recipes? Is there anything in particular that like stands I never learned any of the recipes. Oh. I was I was probably somewhere between 10 and my early teens when Bina died. I hadn't learned to cook. Yeah, uh, just too I, young. You know, I'd never, it wouldn't have occurred. And actually Bina's daughter, Manette, was a very good cook and, I, and she died when I was an adult, but it never occurred to me to say, Manette, let me come over and cook with you. Yeah, um, it's those things, isn't it? I always think now, like with my grandfather gone, I'd have loved him to I, get people to write things down. I always think that now, I'm like, oh, I wish I got him to write down like how he cooked carbonara because it was always so good. And nothing, whatever I add to it is not the same. And I always think now, get people to write things down. If you are with a one family member, thing, write it down. One thing I've learned is that you never ask the right questions and you never ask enough of them. I actually sat down with my father's family and with my parents and asked them about the family and asked them about their childhoods, what it was like, because they're, you know, this, this was the immigrant generation and they were larger than life. Uh, so I do have a lot of their story, but it's not- um, It's still never enough, is it? It's I not think. enough. It's not, yeah. you know, there's one more thing I wanted to ask always. Yeah. There's always gonna be a question that's left that yeah. you haven't had answered, I think. But I, the one thing I'll say is ask the questions. For anyone who's listening, yeah. ask the questions. Yes. Even if you think you're not gonna get the answer, ask them, because you never know. Yeah. Yeah, and ask yeah. for the recipes. That's <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the recipes. Because <laughs> one day you'll want to cook those biscuits or those brownies or whatever. So, yeah. Um, but the, honestly, this has been lovely, and thank you for sharing some of your family history as well, because I think it's absolutely fascinating. Thank you. Yeah, it's there. Are, <laughs> there are tales. Oh, I bet you. And I, I would like to see more of them in your books. So I should be keeping an eye out now, Freddie. If I see a handsome. A handsome young man and a very good cook. I'll know now. <laughs> They'll be familiar. And before I let you go and enjoy the rest of your day, I have to ask if you're reading anything at the moment. What I'm reading right at the moment is a book called The Tudor, Tudor Age. I've, again, I've been reading a lot of English history because of the blog I write. And um, some of it some of it is useful, some of it isn't, but it's all fascinating. And I am looking forward to getting to a, a piece of fiction that I just picked up the other day by Leila Abulela called Elsewhere Home. Ooh. And um, I don't know well, if that's, that's a visible. beautiful cover as well. Ooh. It is beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, that's there's strange. a wonderful little independent bookstore in Exeter that I found the, on Tuesday. It's down uh, McCoy's Arcade, it's called Book Bag. And uh, it is, it doesn't have a huge stock, but it's very carefully chosen and really uh, worth looking at. Oh, Exeter is right. I'm in there a lot. Exeter's my, obviously it's got two great big water stones as well, which is a problem, but I had no idea that this little independent bookstore. So I will absolutely check that out. And before you go as well, what's the name of your blog? Where do you write? Cause I need to check this out now. It's called Notes from the UK. Yeah. And um, if you have any trouble finding it, email me. Um, oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm now going to, I'm very intrigued. <laughs> hmm? I'm very intrigued now. I'm going to go and check right. it out. So I need to read Great. it. 
Oh, and you, thank you so much. This has been a really lovely way to spend a morning with you. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, thank you very much. And, you know, thank you for inviting me. I'm really- oh, And A Decent World, remind me of the publishing date for A Decent World. It is out now. It is it's, out now. Okay. It's out. It came out, came, released on the 15th. Oh, perfect. So everyone can get their hands on a copy, check out the beautiful cover and enjoy this gorgeous story. I absolutely loved it. Thank you. Okay.